Today on Made in the Trade, we discuss Batman, Court of Owls. I am joined here with Mr. Billy McCoy, and this is Made in the Trade. Hey! Oh my gosh, what a fun trip that was. Welcome, that was... Billy. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So it's... Billy McCoy is going to discuss the Court of Owls, written by Mr. Scott Snyder. Yes. Yes, I I love this. Uh, Batman is like my favorite superhero of all time, so it's it's good that you asked me to be a part of this. I'm glad you could be a part of this. <laughs> now, um, to jump right into it, Scott Snyder, uh, I just recently learned through a Kevin Smith interview that he was a custodian at uh, Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom. How surreal was that? It's listen- very surreal. Uh, both Billy and I both work at uh, Disney World. That's true. And then we... Um, so we kind of do have a, a kinship and understanding with some of the stuff he was referring to. I've been there. Yeah, it, um, one of the parallels that he had to Gotham and Disney World is that, as many urban legenders know, there are a series of tunnels underneath, uh, particularly Magic Kingdom, it's more comprehensive uh, than Epcot, but uh, there are a series of tunnels underneath these uh, theme parks. And underneath the tunnels, it's kind of like something out of a, a James Bond evil layer. It's very uh, industrial. It is. It is very much so. Uh, like, you feel uh, that everyone should be riding around in those little, like, golf carts. And, and sometimes know, they are. And wearing hard hats. And, <laughs> yes. Like, toting around, like, missiles underneath. Right. Yeah. And, like, alarm bells going off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, so he discussed that... The world for particularly someone like in custodial um, or just like the people that are kind of holding on the fort, operating the rides, they're dealing, they're the front line. They're dealing with the, uh, the, the guests, but like they are putting in long, long hours um, and, and for them, they're going home to a, a dingy apartment that they're sharing with multiple people um, and, and they're kind of living in that tunnel system underneath. So above ground, you have the guests that are kind of like treated like royalty and like they've got all these multi-million dollars worth of decorations and, and attractions to keep them happy. Whereas underneath the actual front linemen are kind of like zoned out and like struggling to keep it together and they're in their break rooms and they're they're clearly exhausted every time i walk by them i never even put those parallels together yeah you changed it into like like the success and then like we're all like maybe far away like reaching for the sun yeah yeah wow i I guess so and he, he was referring in that interview with kevin smith to just that that's how he visualized gotham city there's some pretty powerful images in the second volume like i hate to to open the episode with a hey you know what's great not this volume, <laughs> the different like, trade but um volume two uh, uh when he gets into a little bit of uh bluebirds um origin story mm, which, that's uh, kind of a tag on right at the end of the yes, the, yes the trade yes. yeah um but uh he gets into the, like she is sort of going around fixing the electricity and sort of run down gotham so she's mm-hmm. in the darkened tunnel system right. down there. And a lot of the images look like they're pulled mm. uh, like right from it. Like, and <laughs> we get into a little bit in this one with some of the sewer stuff. Um, yes. You know, in the labyrinth, but, but I think the ultimate idea was, you know, you are familiar with Bruce Wayne's, you know, tragedy in the alleyway. Right. And that they're basically our scum of the earth running around the streets of Gotham, particularly at night. 
Um, whereas someone like Bruce Wayne and his family were f- far removed from that. And this story in particular is about almost like referring to the Metropolis movie, the good people live way high above in these skyscrapers, right? right. And, and like there's a scene in, in this story where Bruce Wayne is at like, you know, a penthouse skyscraper winds up falling through a plate glass window, but he's, he's up there with his hoity-toity rich folk. And, and it's weird because I don't quite know the message he was trying to send mm-hmm. because even the court of owls themselves, like spoilers, the, you know, this podcast is going to be spoiler yeah. horrific. Uh, and when it comes to the trade, read the trade. It's amazing. Right. Um, but like, I didn't quite understand what sort of message he was trying to convey because even a lot of the inner circle of court of owls was mm-hmm. very sort of aristocratic and they yes. used the talents as sort of like the the hand of God, the fist of God. And they yeah. would take these kids or take these people and like train them. But, um, but the court themselves was very sort of aristocratic. And, and, and I don't know if that, if that was the commentary on society and Batman was able to destroy because he walked both worlds. Mm-hmm. Like he was from the aristocratic and then chose to put himself. Yeah. Because one of the recurring themes in this, the very first couple of sentences is like, what is Gotham? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, uh, where he talks about the story in the newspaper of what is Gotham? Mm -hmm. You know, that people, is Gotham the villains? Is Gotham the skyline? Is it Batman? Right. You know, so I I loved it. It it was deep. And and for for Snyder's sort of inaugural run at the New 52 Mm -hmm. um, in the Batman universe, it was... It was amazing. Right. So, um, I, but I think to that point, that is kind of what he was doing is like, there was a demonization of the aristocrats as particularly old money. Like these were generations of people that had built Gotham to where it was. And like a lot of people didn't know the history of Gotham and you're introducing it in this storyline relatively appropriate because it's issue one of Batman. Right. Um, even though it's not, really the first Batman story. Everyone's known Batman before this story, but it's supposedly a, a stepping on point. Yeah. It's volume two issue one and uh, specifically uh, volume one, uh, volume two issue one through seven kind of mm-hmm. makes up the, this first sort of trade. So. so the whole deal here is you get to know a little bit about Bruce Wayne's grandfather, I think, or his great grandfather, which was it? It was a couple generations. It's Definitely before his father. Right, right. And there was some sort of history with him, and it's later discovered that he has a history with the Court of Owls. But um, apparently he had some architectural history that he did, in fact, help build up Gotham to where it is now. It's the uh, urban legend of, like, taking away the 13th floor or adding a little space. Right. And uh, this uh, nursery rhyme, this felt very uh, Whovian. Mm-hmm. Uh, to have like a nursery rhyme sort of prevail throughout the entire thing, right? Uh, uh, the nursery rhyme about the owls—they live where you live and they watch you while you sleep. And uh, but yeah, the, there's an amazing scene in the book where uh, Bruce is going around to discovering all the hidey holes in all of the buildings and seeing pictures from like uh, the 1800s all the way up until like five years ago, right? You know, before he sets off the tripwire and. Right. So um, what winds up happening is there's a secret society that is discovered, the Court of Owls. And like we said, it's uh, it's got it's delved into aristocracy and they best the Batman in this story, which I guess if this is your first story, isn't that big a deal. Now, having known Batman for a few decades, 
it's a huge deal. It, it is huge, but honestly, here's the deal. Uh, lately, before we got into this run, uh, we had kind of been skirting very dangerously close to... There are two types of Batmans out there, and mm-hmm. I'm a firm believer there is the all-powerful godlike Batman right. who can do no wrong, mm-hmm. or the humanized Batman uh, mm-hmm. dealing with his own sort of problems and, and things like that. And this is more of a return to less than like, Batman can do anything. He can you know, kill Superman he, if he really wanted. F you, that's why. Like, <laughs> it's just like, I honestly am more of a fan of this sort of story because we did get to see a lot of demons. Uh, mm-hmm. Like Bruce was bested mm-hmm. several times. Uh, yeah. When he gets thrown into that labyrinth mm-hmm. and, and goes a little nutty like right. from the labyrinth, like, yeah. that was great. That was almost yeah. like... Um, Oh my gosh, Arkham Asylum esque. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Just yeah. Up is down, black is white. Mm-hmm. Cats and dogs living together. Mass know. hysteria. Yeah, it, but it was. They literally did um, the. This is like Steranko, I think, invented this back in the early 70s, where you flip the comic book upside down and yes. then sideways, and then it's like, this represents the insanity that the character's going through. Doesn't know if he's going forward or backward, right. and like it, even more so. Like I was used to them kind of flipping panels and doing stuff, but mm-hmm. when he flipped the page orientation completely, right. and you're like, I thought it was like I broke yeah. something in my brain. I was, <laughs> I like, was confused. I was like, what did I did? It, what did I break it? What happened? Mm-hmm. Was there a misprint? But no, like it was literally one of those comic books that like if you were holding it and turning it around. And, yeah. But it was to. You're right. It was to symbolize as like, a comic book. It would if if, if he had. The single issue, it'd probably be more easy to realize where the front and back were. Right, but, but since a it's trade, a trade, yeah, yeah, you're you're going left to right, and you're like, I'm back to where I just started. What the what? What, what just yeah. happened? I know. I yeah, know. so you have to realize you're flipping right or left, uh, whatever, the opposite direction. You flip a page <laughs> if the if the thing's upside down. Right, but it was genius uh, the way that they worked that. I picked up on a ton of like the the gritty. Um, style that, mm-hmm. and, and because and that was all Greg in this right. Greg Capullo I hope I'm saying it right he was known for all of it he did a long run on Spawn okay and, yes like, you can totally see the influence the definite like, McFarlane-esque when the one eye uh, when that one eye of Batman's mask is where yeah. you just see like the bloodshot eye and it's like there. wider than the other yeah mm-hmm. and didn't this have the uh, the feel that like Stan Lee had that thought of like every person's comic is their first comic yeah like but uh from the very jump like bruce puts in this contact lens and it's the back computer finally connecting to uh to his eye so he can bring the back computer everywhere he goes mm-hmm. but it does this thing that like it starts like names pop up and it gives you a quick bio but it does it with everyone so it's mm. like alfred pennyworth it's like it was the start of like a television show it was like right. let's conveniently tell you all the main characters this is dick grayson i and this didn't is- realize that was happening yeah but it i was, was just i just assumed it was showcasing the technology i didn't assume that this was someone's first book being introduced to all these characters think about it it's batman number one it's right. the new 52 it's yeah like you're establishing the universe mm-hmm. not only that but think about like okay we're taking it from the jump what do we do we give them the gray non-armored yeah. like bat suit right give them the gray it's non-blue it's not it's colored whatsoever yeah and black yeah and like not a lot of body armor or kevlar underneath or mm-hmm. anything like that and um it yeah it's amazing it and it starts it like from the jump like this is dick grayson this is damien this is this and then and there are... so here's the strange thing okay so in i think it's even in the first issue very much is you see 
the Joker teaming up with Batman. But if this is your first issue, that's the first exposure to the Joker you have. It was weird with the Batman stories uh, when it came to the new 52. Uh, Batman was one of the very few superheroes that was left relatively untouched. Yeah. It was almost this like vibe of like, everything's about to change mm-hmm. except for this guy yeah he's awesome like it's just, it was relatively left unchanged but mm-hmm. that image of the joker like yeah. and that's one of the images like i pulled like images that stick out of my mind like after you read it you put the book down like a good comic book is like a good movie yeah like it, it doesn't end when you finish the movie it ends way beyond after you finish watching the movie or like, the comic book uh, is the same way. Like, images that stuck out of my mind is, like, the Joker and Batman teaming up mm-hmm. and, like, taking down Arkham in me. I was like, oh, my God. It's right. like, take my money now. Like, if there was this weird alternate universe where, like, Joker and Batman teamed up to take down Arkham, I was just like... And then it turns out it's, uh, you know, spoiler alert, it's, uh-huh. it's Dick, and he's got this Mission Impossible, like, yeah. mask on. Or uh, Winter Soldier, actually. Yes. Oh, yeah. Very much so. Yeah. And they they even make a joke uh, in the book about like how he left him there as a vacation. Like, mm-hmm. Bruce is like, yeah, I left you there for a day as the Joker, and <sighs> Dick's like, only you would view this as giving me a vacation. Wow. Like, so Ugh, worst thing ever. Oh yeah. But um, someone uh, was talking to me m- my opinion on while I was reading it. And he's like, oh, I love that time when they they uh, he flings. Robin around like they did in the old 1966 uh, show, and I was like, I don't remember that happening. Well, the reason I don't remember it happening is because it was the freaking Joker. Yeah, yeah, it's where he <laughs> picks him up and he uses him to like kick, but it yeah. really was. I've been watching a lot of that. Like yeah. they kind of released the episodes on Amazon Prime, and uh, oh, the it's on Prime now. It, not like free, but like you oh, can okay, buy you can buy them now because it's all and, digital because of I've, the new release. Yeah, yeah. I bought some, and uh, nice. they are still amazingly good. Mm. Like, uh, you have to watch them. Like, they, they, they circle all the way around, back to good. And for those of you that don't understand what I'm saying, in the old Adam West, uh, Burt Ward series, there would often be times when the Biff-Bam-Boom fights would break out, <laughs> and they would lock hands, and or forearms, really, and uh, Adam West's Batman would swing a 360 with Burt Ward in, in clutch, and so, in doing so, he could kind of, like, spin around and, like, Burt Ward would kind of, like, hop and kick backwards to random guys. And, of course, biff, bam, would happen. Uh, and they basically do a scene like that in this, uh, very early on in this story. Oh, and it's great. But not only that, but it kind of shows you the rogues gallery. Like, yeah. Look, nothing's changed. Everybody's still here. And here's Clayface. Clayface yeah. And, yeah. Oh, and Clayface looked uh, almost uh, exactly like the Batman animated, animated series. series. Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, oh, so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and th- and then they disappear. Right. It's almost like, look, here's the rogues gallery. Now, uh, kudos to, to Snyder for doing something that is extremely difficult. Mm-hmm. Like, I understand adding a villain. Right. I get that. Like, you want to put your mark on the Batman universe. Some of our, our favorite villains, like, are kind of like new villains that kind of come out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Snyder went back and rewrote, like... But without changing the Batman story, change right. the Batman story. Mm-hmm. Put this hidden world, and it and it ate away at Bruce. It ate away at him to think that there was a society going on behind the scenes while he thought he had the monopoly on being the behind the scenes player in right. Gotham. Right. 
Oh, it was fantastic. Yeah. And also you have the, the this main assassin ninja as uh, the, the talon of the Court of Owls. And he's like seemingly unbeatable at some point. It just seems like, wow, there's, he's really got the drop on Batman and everyone he comes across. Super Soldier Serum. Yeah. That we find out later is from Victor. Right. Victor That's definitely a spoiler for the next Sorry, sorry, the next story, because <laughs> this story has nothing to do with Mister Freeze. No, 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 no. And also, I mean, I, I'm going to refer to that, like that very origin of the the what makes them super yes. or him super, because there's only the one in this story, right? Yes, there's only the one. There's only the, the one talent until the very the last end. Frame they kind of release. They reveal not. there's a whole army of ninja talons. Right. Right. But, uh, yeah, it's only one self-contained story, it seems, that explains the Victor Freeze connection to this whole thing. Yes. Um, but it's it's amazing. Like, uh, the, the sort of ties to it. It reminds me of Hush, like, mm-hmm. introducing a character that was there, like, sort of the whole time. And, mm-hmm. and kind of pulling in all the different villains into the Hush storyline. And that's one of my favorite, like, the Jim Lee Hush storyline. Mm-hmm. And Court of Owls kind of goes right up there for me because it's all the characters you love doing what they do best. Right. Bruce is a detective in this story. That's right? one of the things that I think makes a great Batman story, if there's actual detective work. If you can look at this yeah. and, like, this is like a detective novel, yeah. and, like, the clues are there, you could conceivably solve the mystery yourself. Nolan's movies, and we had this conversation. The, uh, Nolan's movies had no detective. Nothing. Right He's in fact the worst detective in the it, world. He really is. Like, yeah. I slept with the one who was Raza. Cool. And like, then I just gave her my company. Yeah. <laughs> Why did you give her your company? You don't even know this woman. Uh, you know. I, yeah, I really trust you. You liked. You liked the environment. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Exactly. So, uh, so it's good to get Batman back to his mm-hmm. roots, and I'm hoping, God, I'm hoping that the uh, Superman versus Batman movie has a return to like the only way this is my biggest fear. And this is a complete departure from this sort of graphic novel. But my biggest fear is that uh, the Superman movie with Henry Cavill, the, Mm -hmm. the, the recent one. Yeah. They literally picked up trains and threw them at each other. And how do you plug Batman into this universe? Yeah. Like, I'm going to pick up a train mm-hmm. and throw it at you. Like yeah. I just, I, the only way he's got to be smarter. He's got to outthink. He's got to be yeah. faster. Like I had this conversation with some random fan coming out of the movies. Like, yeah, man, now I'm looking forward to the Batman Superman crossover. And we're yeah. like, okay, first of all, and this is assuming that this was Christopher Nolan's Batman because we, this was a Christopher Nolan Man of Steel. Right. So it was like Christopher Nolan's Batman has nothing to do with the movie we just saw. Right. And thank goodness it doesn't. So there's that yes. going for it, I think. Uh, and then second of which, you know, like in the comic books, there's always this creative license. Like you said earlier, if they want to write Batman a certain way, he's going to be a certain way. It's like he's just going to pull rabbits out of his hat all the time. Yes. And he's going to come back and Batman's always going to win. You mm-hmm. know, he's always going to figure out something. And uh, how he figures out in this one about Dick, uh, uh, Grayson having the um, being... The next in line. A potential uh, Court of Owls member. Talon. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. A, a potential Talon. Um, so, yeah, Dick Grayson could have potentially been one of these ninjas that uh, nearly kills Bruce Wayne in this. Did you think it was funny when Bruce punches him? Yeah. But manages to punch him. Specifically. <laughs> specifically to get like 
one tooth out. Like of he was course, just I like, hit the one tooth. I have precision punches. Oh, like, you'd never have to go see the dentist ever again because he knows all the spots on your body to make one tooth fly out. Like just the one. Like, there's that, and there's also the fact that Dick could have been like, you could have asked me. Like just get some dental equipment out and like pull the thing out. Novocaine. Yeah, it's like what? What? You're supposed. I'm supposed to trust you, not walk next to you and expect to get sucker punched. Was it in? Was it in the bottom of the tooth too? Like you don't think he would? I think ever... it was like a molar, right? I thought it was a, a cap on the molar or some but nonsense. You never would have gone to the dentist, and the dentist is like, "Hey, funny story. <laughs> I see this logo on your tooth. You've got an owl in there. <laughs> you put this owl in your mouth, Dick Grayson. Like, oh boy. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It was it was funny. So there's all these. There's always going to be those like little moments, but the story is intriguing. Mm-hmm. It, it makes you want to go out and get volume two. Frame of the comic, and any of the listeners out there, please feel free to, to help correct me on this one. Alfred is walking into the room with a cup of tea, and he says something along the lines of, "Oh yes, uh, it's a black tea, and I've mixed it with medicinal." And Bruce cuts him off, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking, "Is it marijuana? <laughs> like medicinal? Like how many other words could come? I mean, are prefixed with medicinal, right?" It's medicinal caffeine. It's medicinal love. Like, I don't know what Alfred could be mixing in the black tea to help alleviate some of the pain. I just delved into Bruce's mythical training where he would go to the Himalayas and train, and there's all this stuff that he could have encountered in Asia, and is like, there's a medicinal leaf that he found in some random place during his training. I don't know. I mean, you could be very well right, but then again, I yeah. can't imagine Bruce Wayne endorsing. Oh yeah, slip me some pot and well, whatever I'm drinking, Alfred. I don't think it. I don't think it's him endorsing it because he's cut off beforehand. Granted, uh, I'm, but he's I'm, not angry at all. He's not angry, but I'm wondering if if Batman is so coiled that mm. he needs a little bit of the tea just to uncoil a little bit. Like, well, that it, and you do refer to that. You mentioned this to me off off uh, the recording. That, that he does slip some sort of a sedative. Uh, ace. Ace. And yeah. Like, uh, uh, there's another portion where Dick goes, uh, how many did you have to give him tonight? And Alfred says five milligrams. And he says, you gave him, and Dick says, you gave him five milligrams of Ace, like, to mellow him out and to cool him down. That's enough to put down an elephant or something like that. Mm-hmm. And when Dick goes into the room, Batman's up and, and running. Like, he's already mm-hmm. up out of, like whatever drug Alfred has been putting in. So mm-hmm. Alfred's been drugging him yeah. in order to get him to sleep. To sleep. Like to, to rest. And even drugs aren't enough to stop him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's a really interesting, um, gosh, I want, I think it's in Cacophony. Uh, Kevin, no, it's uh, Kevin Smith's run, uh, The Widening Gyre um, uh, of Batman, uh, where uh, it takes place in Arkham, and Poison Ivy has taken over Arkham mm-hmm. by, um, f- she's fighting Batman, and Batman all of a sudden starts to feel his reactions slow, and she's released cannabis into the air, mm. and it's gotten into his bloodstream so slowly that he has he had no idea that it was getting in, so he basically finds out that he's high, huh. having to... And that's how Poison Ivy was able to get control of him. And I understand that from a Kevin Smith perspective. Right. But I just, I wonder if, if that's Snyder's 
you know, mm-hmm. sort of like nod. That almost sounds mean? like the poppies will make you sleep. <laughs> yes, exactly. exactly. Uh, I've got opium in my system. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I don't know. It was just something worth like noting in, mm-hmm. in the book. So I pick up on weird things in these comic books. So. That's why we're here to analyze this stuff. That's right. That's, That's why you, the listener, listen. We we are the detective. Yeah, let's hear it. This this is actually inspired, the Court of Owls is inspired by an actual club that existed called the uh, it was called the Bohemian Club? Uh, Bohemian? I don't think that's right. I'll I'll figure out what that is. It's a private club in Union Square, San Fran, and Bohemia Grove, a retreat north uh, in Sonoma County. And uh, it started as a meeting place for Bohemians, but wealthy, powerful men started controlling the club. But there's this owl symbol, the owl symbol that you see throughout. Uh-huh. If you look it up, it, it shows that this was an actual club that existed. And they hmm. had this weird motto pulled from Shakespeare. Okay. And it was, uh, weaving spiders come not here. Hmm. And that was the, it was a very, like, sort of secretive club that just used to be, like, an open bastion for artists. And right. And started getting taken over by That them. seems more of a bohemian term. Like, if you're conspiring, don't come here, right? Weaving spiders. And, and also, there's a movie coming out that's loosely based around Court of Owls, and it's supposed to drop yes. soon. Yes. Ba- Batman and Robin? What, what is it? Batman versus Robin. Batman versus Robin, yeah. April 14th, it's coming out. Uh, and Kevin Conroy is playing Thomas Wayne in this one. He's not playing Batman in this Okay. Uh, and Weird Al Yankovic is playing Barton Mathis, a.k.a. Uh, the Dollmaker. Where so, was the Dollmaker in this? He wasn't. That's oh, okay. Why, <laughs> I was like, oh, I missed something. No, it was loosely based. It, they were like, yes, this is very loosely based mm, okay. on Court of Owls. And I'm like, yeah, because I don't remember the Dollmaker... Or yeah. Batman versus Robin. Or <laughs> like, him fighting that's, when someone told me like this book based on Court of Owls, Batman versus Robin, they don't fight each other in Court of Owls. No, what are they talking about? I'm trying to think, is it uh, because in the animated universe, the last movie I saw was uh, Batman, uh, Son of Batman. Yeah, it was with Damien. Damien. So is yeah. this Damien versus Batman? But again, Damien plays next to no role in this story. Does he? No. No, is he even in this part of he it? Is in this okay, part. He, he is. Okay, I don't remember. Uh, because uh, when he, uh, Batman has the cybernetic uh, contact, the three Robins in the room okay. are uh, Dick, Damien, and. Oh my gosh. I'm is gonna, it Tim? Yeah. I'm gonna lose or or Jason. Jason, I think, right? No, it's Tim. It's Tim. It is? Yeah, because uh, Jason is Red Hood. And Red Hood's not part of the, the family, right? No, but he does make a. Yeah, it's. I'll look into that. Dick, Damien, and Tim. Yeah, okay. Uh, but he does make an appearance in Volume 2. Okay. Uh, Batman, when uh, all hell breaks loose, mm-hmm. there's a really cool scene where Alfred sends out... That I'm familiar with, yes. And that'll be for that episode <laughs> when we discuss Volume 2, The City of Owls. Uh, so, question for you. Yes. One is, if someone were not a comic book reader... Would you recommend this to them? Yes. I mean, it's such a weird question because who isn't a comic book reader? <laughs> There's but plenty know, out there. I know there are plenty out there. My um, wife in particular. I don't know if I would recommend this because okay. it's very 
dialogue heavy. Mm-hmm. I imagine a non-comic book reader. You know, it depends on the person. I think my so. wife. My wife is very dialogue driven. I mm. feel like the story. This is like a mystery. Yeah. And it's almost standalone. Like I say, almost in the fact that like. Let's say you took Batman out of it and mm-hmm. just made this a story about a guy that's discovering his city is being controlled. Right. By uh, that, it's almost uh, what is that? The Da Vinci Code, like the okay, secret yeah. society that mm-hmm. exists, and yeah, because so, like Tom Hanks is not a superhero in that. Right, right, right. So yeah, you know what? I okay. would recommend this. What about you? I do, and and also as their first Batman story, it, appropriately that it's Batman number one, starting with, but. Um, this is a, I, I didn't even realize, first of all, that this was Batman number one when I first picked this up. And second, like what you just mentioned about it displaying the names of all the characters like that. I was like, wow. So this really could work as someone's introduction to Batman. Yeah. I didn't think of that whatsoever because I was really thinking of his history and like how big of a deal that this was a secret society that got the drop on Batman. Well, kudos to them, too, uh, of the fact that, like, okay, it's your first comic book. You're getting into Batman. Uh, what do you do? You don't show them something that they may have seen in a movie. Like, you right. don't show them Penguin. You don't show them Riddler. You don't mm-hmm. show them something like that. You take, you do what any good comic book artist does where you're like, you give them something that's going to pull them into the next episode. Mm-hmm. And you would honestly, like, if I gave this to somebody new, like, the first episode, they'd be like, oh, what happens next? Yeah. Does he find out? What mm-hmm. happens now? Like, and it just continues onward from there. You know what I mean? So I, um, overall, like I, I like Cap- Caputo. Is it Caputo or Capula? I'm going to mispronounce the name too. Capula. Capula with an L? Yes, two L's. So Capullo, uh, or it could be Capullo. Capullo. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, his art's really good. Like the, the art, the, the pictures he draws are good. Something that I don't know if I'm alone in feeling this way. The way he depicts action is sometimes confusing. I almost feel like there's a missing panel sometimes, or there's a lack of action lines it's, sometimes. It's bad cinematography. It's yeah. almost like uh, when you see an action sequence that is poorly shot, it's too fast. Like you uh-huh. don't know who's hitting who. Right. A couple of the sequences I felt like that, but uh, you know what? I can forgive that. I can okay. forgive that for the, for the story. And this reeks of Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns. Mm. Like, there are so many different times in this where I that's all I could see. Right. And I wonder if that's on purpose. Well, I know he's a big fan of Miller's, first of all, his short-eared Batman. Right. This is one of the few short-eared Batman you see is his his version. Uh, so that was a Frank Miller shout-out, I think. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, for some reason, there'd be... Sometimes I'm watching an action sequence, and I'm like, how did, how did he get here what, okay he won how did he just win like there's just certain things that I, i'm confused about I felt sometimes that same way uh when he fell off the building yeah where batman fell off the building and then he grabbed onto the guard i was like how did that right what, how what yeah yeah there's a couple of times where i felt that so you're not alone in that okay especially the labyrinth like it, when mm. you, when, i was so confused about that i was like is he drugged is he is right. this like a scarecrow thing like is it the fear toxin but you, you're not alone mm-hmm. but honestly I would not let that deter you from mm-hmm. picking up the book. It's a great book. Right. All right, that's going to wrap up that episode. Thank you, Billy. Thank you, man. Oh, actually, there is something. Tell me, tell me. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, I have my own podcast. I'm oh, yeah, go ahead and plug shameless, away. Shameless plug. Uh, you can find us. It's called Nerding Out About. Uh, it's almost a, a brother to uh, the trade uh, mm-hmm. podcast because uh, – 
we talk about nerdy movies, television, and, right. and things like that. So Made in the Trade is a good fit. Uh, oh, so yeah. I'd love to have you on. If, I would if, love to be on. Could we do a crossover episode? Maybe I would we'll love do to. A, uh, we'll do a Batman movie or maybe some of the 1960s. Honestly, it could be anything. Like, I've listened to just about all of your episodes yeah. and like, oh, I wish I were on that episode. Like, anything. Star Trek, Star Wars. Oh, um, good, good. The, uh, anything, anything, honestly. You, you actually know um, Jay Becker is going to mm-hmm. be on. Uh, he's going to come over and he's going to do Lost in Space. The oh. Old Matt LeBlanc. It's not the old. It's the new-ish. Oh, my God. It's awful. That's 1997, right? It's Gary, the one that usurped Titanic as Gary the... old. <laughs> yeah yeah so uh we'll have to figure out the right movie choice for you you know what I oh mean? yeah so, go ahead uh but uh yes please uh nerding out about you uh, you can go to nerdingoutabout.com. you can find us on itunes stitcher you know we're all over the place facebook so uh, but thank you so much for having me you're on. welcome it's so good. Like, and also for my personal plug i've got a sister show myself called cluster fudge and uh hopefully by the time you hear this recording it'll be up and running properly yeah But uh, thank you for tuning in, and uh, we hope to see you next time.